G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision. I wonder what you think of when you think of being neutral. The car is in neutral, I need to put it into gear. Or neutrality, the nation of Switzerland that took a neutral position during the wars of the 20th century. I wonder what we might think about when we're discussing neutrality around our Christianity. Well, Bill Muhlenberg's been writing about a number of dimensions around neutrality over this past week and uh, touching on one of his articles today called The Myth of Neutrality. And Bill's back with us. Hey, Bill, welcome back to 2020. Thanks again, Neil. Bill, let's start with one of the three dimensions you talk about in one of your latest articles, uh, spiritual neutrality. Uh, am I with Christ? Am I not with Christ? Um, how do you, how do you uh, speak into this one? Yeah, well, I do actually preface my whole piece by saying, yeah, sometimes <laughs> there's a place for neutrality, right? There's a Super Bowl on and you don't like American football, you don't have favorites, well, you can stay neutral. But And most things, certainly in the one you just mentioned, uh, we well, you can't be neutral. You have to take sides. So, yeah, I did actually three uh, main areas which we'll discuss. But obviously, as Jesus said in Matthew, right, he who is not with me is against me. That's about as clear cut as you're going to get in terms of neutrality, sorry, there's no sitting on the fence when it comes to Jesus or God. You're either on his side or you're not. It's really quite simple. Uh, we can you know, tease this out later, but the point is you're either living in darkness or in light. You're either dead in your sins or alive in Christ. You're either headed to a lost eternity or you're headed to heaven with God. So in that sense, there's a real stark polarity or a binary system. That's the in word today, binary. Uh, you're one or the other. Now, sure, we can talk about some people are a work in progress, maybe either way. But basically, there's two humanities. And scripture often speaks of this idea. You're in one camp or the other. So there, uh, an appeal or an attempt to be neutral uh, just won't cut it. So deciding one way or the other, and I guess in that biblical terminology, you're either a sheep or a goat, you're either wheat or a tear or a weed, and so one way or the other, not a foot in each camp. A lot of people think that neutrality is maybe a foot in each camp. Is that a fair way of saying, well, somehow or other, you've got to decide one way or the other? Well, again, it depends what you're discussing. If you like chocolate ice cream, your wife likes vanilla. That is an area where you can be neutral. You can even, you know, give and take, and you can have your feet in both camps if you want. But here it seems pretty clear that we can't. Um, either you're on God's side or you're not. Either you agree with him and his word or you don't. Um 
So there, it's pretty hard to talk about any kind of neutrality. Uh, effectively, to say I'm neutral about God means you're, you know, you're doing your own thing. In which case, you're not on God's side because a Christian is one who stops doing his own thing, stops living for himself, and lives instead fully for God and what He wants, not what we want. So. In this area, don't really think we can get into neutrality, although as I say in the end of that section, sure, some people like the Apostle Paul could pinpoint, right, an exact day and time when and where he got saved, but not necessarily every Christian does. The Apostle Peter, and I think the Twelve, right? It's kind of a journey for them. Would they be able to tell you when exactly they were born again? Maybe, maybe not. So I'm not saying there's not a place for kind of a spiritual journey, but at the end of the day, you're still either in one camp or the other. And that leads on to a second dimension, and you're calling this the myth of cultural and political neutrality. Uh, This is one that oftentimes Christians grapple with. Uh, Thoughts here? Again, it's pretty close, not exactly to the previous one. That it, That is, it's pretty black and white, but there's maybe a bit more room to move. Obviously, culture wars, right? The examples we would have talked about hundreds of times, maybe, over the decades now, uh, say the homosexual marriage debate. I would have thought that any biblical Christian, right, A, knows that that move to destroy marriage by radically redefining it was not only wrong, but it was not something any Christian could support. And so it's not just a question of knowing which was the right side and which was the wrong side, but then to go ahead and say, all right, I need to get involved. I need to take a stand on this to, again, pretend you can sit on the fence, remain neutral in such a crucial battle like this. Well, Uh, Here, I I don't think that's the case. Uh, You know, you're either on one side or the other. And if you refuse to speak out for biblical marriage, guess what? You effectively were making the case for its destruction. So on many of these key battles, it does impact all of us. It does impact faith, family, and freedom. And you really can't pretend that neutrality is some kind of option for you. Bill, I might say uh, lots of my friends are in the progressive camp and I've got Mm. a bunch of friends too in the conservative camp and uh, I'm sort of a leopard changing its spots, so to speak, no matter, uh, depending on which camp I'm mixing with at the time. Is there a place for that sort of thing? I mean, is that, uh, the you know, is being neutral a way of being apolitical in some way? Oh, look, uh, again, not everything, as I say in my piece, is black and white. In some areas, Christians can and do disagree. So, yeah, you might have, uh, well, I know of a really, really good, solid, conservative uh, Christian MP in New South Wales. He's a Catholic guy. And you think, oh, how can a good, solid, religious conservative, he's in the Labor Party. How can that be? But he has been there fighting the good fight. He's always putting out emails, you know, take a stand on euthanasia or surrogacy or sexuality or trans, whatever it is. Now, he's in the Labor Party, right? Many of us would say that's almost anathema. But some Christians are there hoping to make a difference. And then there's other issues that maybe, well, there is room to move. You know, how exactly do we think about, say, 
the welfare state or taxation or any number of issues. I think it's a bit harder if you really want to be a full-fledged green uh, member of the Greens. That, that's a bit more of a stretch, but on a lot of the, kind of the more room to move political areas, there can be some room where Christians agree to disagree. And as I also say in my piece, I'm not saying everybody has to get involved in the political process, run for office, even join a political party. But at the very least, you should know what's going on, vote intelligently and prayerfully. Uh, so in that sense, again, we do need to get involved in trying to claim a complete neutrality. Oh, I'm apolitical. I couldn't care less about politics. Well, that's just a foolish idea because truth is politics cares about you. Whether or not you care about it, it will have an impact on you. So for that reason alone, if you love others, you should be concerned about how the political process is impacting on your loved ones. And so having this spirituality, and you talked about spiritual neutrality earlier, uh, getting the spirituality right is going to shape the way we are going to be culturally and politically. And that doesn't mean that we cut off people who have a disagreement with us because now we see that we have an opportunity to speak some biblical truth into what situations might not be exactly the way we see things biblically. And that leads us on to the third one you were writing about, theological neutrality, um, the myth of theological neutrality. What do you mean by that, Bill? Yeah, this one is slightly different from the previous two. Uh, by there, I mean this idea that some believers have that, you know, I'm completely free of any theology or doctrine. You know, I just, I'm a Bible-only guy. I got a, I got a pipeline direct to God, Holy Spirit. I don't need others. So it's this idea you can be a pure, pristine theologian. Uh, theology uh, that isn't influenced by others, isn't contaminated by mere man. But again, that's just a, f a foolish notion, unless you're born on a desert island, right? And somehow learned to read and you found a Bible in the sand. Every one of us are influenced by all kinds of things, our culture, our family, our churches, our even our the language we speak, right? Every Bible we have, guess what, is the result of mere men who had to make choices. Okay, how the best way to translate this Hebrew term, right? Or what's the best way to use this Greek verb in this passage? So already, if you're simply holding your Bible thinking, yep, me and God and my Bible, you've already got contamination, cross-contamination by human beings, mere humans. Uh, hopefully, you know, they've done well in their translation work, but, you know, everything. If you go to church, listen to a pastor, you're being contaminated by his views. So the idea that you can be free completely of any theological or doctrinal uh, awareness as you read and study scripture is, well, it's just kind of living in la-la land, hate to say it. <laughs> And in some sense, this feeling that some have uh, to avoid conflict, you know, I just want to be a good friend of everybody. And yeah. in some sense here, when we talk about neutrality and uh, you say, well, you can't have a spiritual neutrality, you've got to take sides, one side or the other. 
uh, this political cultural neutrality, well, somehow or other what's birthed inside you is going to lead you to have some ways of being able to discern what is true and what's not and then to be able to stand for those. And then theological Mm. neutrality. Uh, These are the sorts of things that somehow we don't always think about, but they do shape who we are. Bill, any thoughts here in a practical way? If you've got some sort of, you know, some people might have a problem with the things you're sharing here today. Mm. Um, You know, how do you make sure that you are doing things not in a neutral way, but actually taking the Lord's side? You know, I am on the Lord's side. Yeah, well, uh, as you say, it's an issue of, well, I mean, you know, wanting to be nice. Is that a good thing? Well, yeah, generally speaking, we should be nice. But if this desire to be nice, to please others, to just get along, in fact, ends up meaning you're, well, effectively taking a side, right? Presumably, there were some Christians uh, almost 100 years ago who thought, oh, look, I'm not going to rock the boat in Germany. I'm not going to make a stink. I want to be nice. I want to be a winsome, kind Christian witness and not get into politics. Well, guess what? There, that refusal to get involved, to take sides, meant you ended up supporting one of the most horrific regimes on earth, right? So there, just being nice and not wanting to upset anybody, well, you you caused a whole lot more harm. But yeah, we got to be clear on getting this idea of being on God's side. In fact, I quote a famous uh, line here by Abraham Lincoln, American president, right? One of his advisors at one point said, isn't it good that God and us are on the union side? And right, uh, Lincoln famously replied, my concern is not whether God is on our side. My greatest concern is that I'm on God's side. So uh, it's not a, I mean, mind you, the battle he was in, right? The whole, you know, that was pretty important. But even there, he was willing to say, at the end of the day, we all need to make sure we're on God's side. And that's probably a good, humble place to be in. So if you are in the neutral camp, as so many will think is a good place to be, you must be very cautious that your neutrality isn't an endorsement of evil or an endorsement of tyranny or an endorsement even of heretical teaching that may actually be false. Mm. Uh, Somehow or other, you've got to work through those things. And I imagine that moving into a level of maturity as a believer means you become less and less neutral and more and more on the Lord's side. I know there'll be listeners that might like to read this latest article that we're talking about today, Bill. It's called The Myth of Neutrality. And for listeners, if you want to find that, have a good read. You'll find it at BillMuhlenberg.com or simply Google Culture Watch One Word. Bill, always good getting an update with you on these sorts of issues. Hey, thanks so much for being with us once again today on 2020. Always a pleasure. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.